What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Couch Podcast. And in today's episode, me, Letty, and Jordan are going to begin by breaking down the James Harden trade. He has officially been traded to the Los Angeles Clippers as of like 3 a.m. last night. Um, and then later on in the episode, Jordan and Zwick are going to come on and talk a little NFL, talk about how crazy last week's NFL games were. All right, here with Letty and Jordan. Um, real quick, before I want before we get into this, I just want to talk about our new uh, scheduling for the Couch Podcast. It's pretty good. Uh, on the first days that we record, which is usually a Monday or Tuesday night, it's going to be an NFL segment follow or two NFL segments followed by one NBA segment, which is usually going to be me and Jordan discussing um, NBA news. However, this news was big enough that we wanted to get. Uh, Letty on as well and then the later in the week segment it's going to be our college football uh, preview betting or NFL preview betting followed by two uh, NBA segments and those segments will be me and Butsy talking about Celtics basketball and then me and Letty talking about uh, some NBA young young NBA players that you know we're talking about and just some but excuse me young teams and players in the league so um, today we're talking about James Harden and he has just been traded to the Clippers middle of the night. I was not expecting it to happen that quick. Um, our initial reactions, I'm just going to say what, what the trade exactly was. Um, so the Sixers received Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, KJ Martin, 2028 unprotected first round pick, 2024 and 2029 second round pick, and then a 2026 protected first round pick swap, which they actually get from OKC because on the on the side, the Clippers sent a 2027 first round pick swap to OKC and then OKC sent the 2026 pick swap uh, to the Sixers, which is a first round pick. The Clippers received James Harden, PJ Tucker, Philip uh, and Philippe Petrusev. I believe he's a Serbian six foot 11. Uh, good guy, good player, but yeah, so that's the full details of the trade. I'm going to start with Jordan here because I know he's been locked in on the James Harden thing um, and really wanted him to go to the Clippers. So he's now gotten his wish uh, Jordan, how, what was your first reaction to this trade? First reaction was that I'm right as usual, always am, never been wrong. Uh, knew this was going to happen, said it from day one. So, but my actual reaction once I broke this trade down, um, this is not the trade that I <laughs> foresaw for the Clippers. They gave up a lot more than I thought they would give up. They ended up giving up five picks. Uh, I don't think you mentioned that they gave up Batum. I think that was the one name you might have missed in that whole breakdown. So they gave up three pretty good players. Um, KJ Martin's kind of a throw-in. And then five picks just completely mortgages their future for James Harden. I, and I I like the on-court fit with Harden. I think they needed a playmaker. That was my whole thing. Um, but I had imagined this trade being like maybe Batum and one other player, and maybe a first and a second, something like that. Um, giving up five picks, I think, is just crazy for the Clippers. Um, they do get P.J. Tucker back, so I guess that's something, but I don't know. I, I think this is way too much um, to rely on James Harden for basically one last run with this core. So I think it could be good for a year, but beyond that, it's not worth it for for what they gave up for their future. I would have to go ahead and disagree with that. I think they've already mortgaged so much of their draft capital with going into Paul George and going into Kawhi. And I think I honestly have to double take when I saw what the Clippers gave up, because I think shipping off Marcus Morris, who is the main piece in that trade, he's an $18 million contract. It was just for the contract purposes. Nick Batum, I would have liked them to keep, um, but 
they also add PJ Tucker, another good veteran around more veterans. So I don't know. I think Daryl Morey got away with murder when he didn't give up a Terrence man, but also B Norman Powell. I would have rather have liked to see in the Sixers go for Norman Powell. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm confused as to why the Sixers wouldn't try and get Norman Powell in that trade, who's clearly better than Marcus Morris. And if I'm Embiid, I think I'm looking over Morris' shoulder towards the exit sign. Well, I I kind of like this move for the Sixers just because um, they can trade three of the picks they just got. I forget the which exact picks they were, but three of the four um, at the deadline, and then after the deadline, they can trade four. Um, they also, after this year, this like fiscal NBA year, they're going to have Jaden Springer, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, and Paul Reed under contract. Everyone else will be gone. Um, if they, if they don't resign anybody, um, everyone else is on non-guaranteed deals and that expire this year. So they'll have approximately $55 million in cap room. Um, if they do not sign anyone. So they have two options here. You can't you but you have to play this really well. If I'm the Sixers, I think the move is a trade because the free agency class isn't great. It's like headlined by LeBron, but it kind of levels out from there. It's like LeBron, Clay, um, and others. There's no no one too good. I think DeJounte Murray's maybe in that um spot. I could be wrong about that one. But nonetheless, I think the move is a trade, and you now have the pieces do that because you have a bunch of expiring contracts that um, have value, like namely Tobias Harris. And you have a bunch of picks that could be very valuable, especially if the Clippers end up bottoming out um, in the future. And some guys that I've heard through Twitter and everything that they're probably looking to go after is Jeremy Grant and Zach Levine. And both of these guys fit really well into that Sixers system where it's Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. And then you, if you're able to be a, you know, a stretch, a stretch, uh, you know, guard that can run and get open and cut, um, and who's athletic and brings some semblance of defense, you'll fit right in with this team. Um, they have to play it really, really safe here for the Sixers. They have to be really smart. They have to communicate with Embiid and make sure that they that he knows that they're going to be going heavy at the trade deadline. If they don't do that, you can't waste an Embiid season, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I don't think you can waste another Embiid season here, especially with his health history. So I think the grade, we're supposed to be grading these, uh, you know, trades. And I think the grade here for the Sixers is incomplete um, until they move through all of these um, assets they got. But I don't know, Jordan, what did you think about how this looked for the Sixers? I think it's great for the Sixers. They traded a guy who nobody wanted. There was one team bidding and they ended up getting a ton of draft capital and some pretty solid role players in return. So they really didn't have much leverage in this trade. James Harden basically forced their hand. And I think this is a phenomenal job by the front office and Daryl Morey. So I agree with you. They they should trade these picks. I think they will. If they don't, it could go very south. Um, but if they end up packaging some of the stuff that they got for the, from this trade for a guy like Zach Levine, I think it's a phenomenal move. Um, Letty, do you think that, that Harden fits in with the Clippers well? Just play style-wise? Uh, I don't know. Play style-wise, it's TBD. I mean, say all you want about Harden. He did average the most assists in the league last year. There's a reason for that. He helped them beat average 34 game last year. Um, so we'll see. I, I do like it for the Clippers because with their injury history, I love them 
most likely every night having two stars ready to go. I think it's going to help keep them afloat in the regular season if one of them, one of the three, as in James Harden, Paul George, or Kawhi can't go for the night. I think it keeps their team afloat. Um, but for the Sixers, I do want to say, obviously it's all about keeping Embiid happy. And through a very small sample size, we're seeing Tyrese Maxey look look great this year and the rest of their team looking great. But um, you have to go in all at the deadline. Like, they're not looking for a rebuild because their roster is constructed with a ton of veterans. You have Pat Bev, now Nick Batum, now Kelly Oubre, Roko, and Danny Green. So I think, like, what is – who is the ideal fit? Is Levine the ideal fit for the Sixers right now? Um, I think, yeah, Levine, I mean – I personally think Jeremy Grant might fit the best there because um, he's not going to demand so much offensively, like as much as Levine will demand offensively. Uh, Zach Levine's a better player in a vacuum than Jeremy Grant, but you're looking for with, you're going to be sharing that backcourt with Tyrese Maxey, assumedly, like if you wanted to go bigger and you have Jeremy up at the shooting guard and Maxey as the point guard, um, you're going to want to have, more defense with Maxi because he's still he tries but he's still size wise a liability on defense. I think adding Jeremy Grant in there who is a, a very very elite defender, um, very lanky, fast, and moves his feet well, um, has good instincts defensively. I think he would be a better pairing because I think if you pair Levine back there with Maxi, although Levine does try, um, he's not as good defensively, and I do worry about that for the Sixers. Um, if you have, you know. Tyrese Maxey and Zach Levine back there. I think that's, you know, your glaring weakness is your defense for the wings there. But um, because of that, just the two-way ability, I, I think Jeremy Grant's the better fit there. But if they get Zach Levine, that's a home run too because Zach Levine's awesome. And I, I don't want to undersell him because he is amazing. Um, it's just like you have to think now he's sharing touches with um, Embiid and Maxey who both have relatively high usage rates and we saw Harden do it, but that was because Harden was passing more than ever before in his career. So I don't know, Jordan, do you think, do you think, uh, who do you think is better fit wise? Levine or Grant? Um, I don't think it matters personally. I think whoever they get, none of us think that the Sixers are going to go out and win the championship this year. And that's kind of what it's about. But I do think either one of those guys keeps Embiid happy. I think that's what this season becomes now for the Sixers is keep Embiid in town. You don't want a, a Joel Embiid trade request at the end of the season. So do whatever you can to stop that from happening. If you go out and you show him, you know, we want to get you another star. We're trying to win with you. We're trying to build around you. And at least you can make a playoff run with either of those two guys or another, you know, solid player, maybe that we're not thinking of. Then, yeah, I think uh, Embiid, would hopefully stay. Now the thing is the the Sixers have kind of had this merry-go-round of players with Joel Embiid, um, obviously starting with Jimmy Butler, he, they bring him in, then they let him go. Obviously the whole Ben Simmons debacle. Now you have uh, this whole James Harden thing. So Embiid, you know, at some point could just get sick of the Sixers as a whole and, and just having new teammates every year and never, and new coaches and never having a, a solid core. So I don't know. Yeah. Also, Ananobi was, uh, you know, was leaked or not leaked. Uh -huh. He was linked to the Sixers as well. S same thing as Jeremy Grant. Um, he's not as good of a shooter as either Grant or Levine, though. Uh, that's kind of his fly. He's more of a defend defender, better defender. But I think he would work really well there. Uh, the way that he cuts and moves off ball is really solid. Um, the, what they have as a semblance of a team is enough to, you know, build something. And you do have more of a direction 
um, than before. And especially if you believe in Tyrese Maxey, which I do, um, we've seen a ton of data that he is a good player, very good. And the way that the way that they've been playing with Nick Nurse is completely different. I mean, last season the dribble handoffs and every it was a lot slower paced basketball and this season it's way faster there's a lot more off ball movement there's a lot more ball movement in general um you see Tyrese Maxey pushing the ball up the floor they have way better pacing um with Doc they were a little bit slower and there wasn't a ton of cutting but you've seen Kelly Oubre you know score a lot of points off of this cutting um I there's Nick Nurse is bringing a lot of good things to this offense, and um, this is, was a good time for this trade to happen. You get to kind of start fresh, relatively fresh. Um, you just need to, if you're the Sixers and you're Daryl Morey, you need to capitalize now because, like you said, the Knicks are right around the corner. Letty's Knicks are right around the corner trying to get Joel Embiid. Um, there's a Carl Anthony Towns thing that I don't know, but that could be something that's an asset that you can move. Um, and there's always you know, the next upset player, right? So they got to be active. Yes, yeah, Siakam, Sa- Siakam is in there. Like, I think the Sixers right now are the biggest, uh, they're going to be the biggest sellers, but they're looking to kind of consolidate pieces into uh, better guys. And that might not be flashy moves. That might be like a Gary Harris, um, you know, at the, at the deadline or something that you can add, um, you know, in and plug and play and it, who's solid, but a little bit younger and fits the timeline as well. Um, for the Clippers, Jordan, give them a grade on their trade on the trade for them. Well, I think it's tough for the Clippers because I think they are a better team today than they were yesterday. Um, this trade makes them better for this year. And and that was my whole thing before, but for the future, they're absolutely screwed. And I think this trade probably gets them a ceiling of like a Western conference finals appearance. I just don't see a world in which they are beating the nuggets. So I'm going to give them like a C plus for this trade. At least it keeps their fans happy. They have a chance to make a run. Um, They're better today than they were yesterday, but overall they just completely destroyed their chances for the future. They're going to be bad for years following this core leaving. Yeah. Letty. I would give them a little bit of that. I give them like a a B to a B minus. Cause like I said, it's another playmaker with your two stars stars with injury history. So now you have another star that you could throw in there and keep yourself afloat. But I, I like the timing on how they got this done. They got it done early as opposed to letting it wait out till the deadline. And now, like last year, we saw how when a superstar was at the deadline, like KD, they didn't really have great chemistry on the Suns last year because they didn't play a lot of games together. Granted, he got hurt. But I like how they got it done now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a B, B minus. Yeah, I, I'm around that with Letty. Um, I just think like... Oh, I have one more thing. Sorry. Go ahead, Led. If they've put so much draft capital into their two stars already and and we've seen how Steve Ballmer is kind of obsessed and he thinks this team is, is right around the corner from winning or he thinks they're capable of winning, he just needs a healthy season. I don't I don't know about you, Jordan, but I don't mind them going all in for another star if it's only two first two first round picks. I don't mind that at all. It's it's not only two first round picks. I mean, they give up five total picks. Like that's a lot. That those are assets. You know, that's just not um, players that you're going to draft that's trade capital too. So the other thing is this is a one year thing. Like they have all of their stars are potentially free agents next year. Um, I also think, you know, the Russell Westbrook thing gets a little weird with Harden. I, I don't yeah. think that's a great fit. I do like Harden with PG and Kawhi, but what does this do to Westbrook? Who's been playing some of the best basketball in years? Um, 
I understand they already committed a lot of draft capital to this core, but I think it's clear that it didn't work. And to me, like me and Max had this conversation off camera, but they should organizationally, like they should have blown this up um, probably yeah. after last year or before last year and traded Kawhi and Paul George for everything they could have gotten, set themselves up for the future. Instead, they go the other way now um, and they're going to be good. Like if these guys are healthy, they're going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be good enough. So I don't see why you go all in. If there's clearly still, I would say, what, five, six teams that we still like better than them? Total Ooh, or like in the, uh, wait, total or in the um, NBA? Total. Or, I'm sorry, total. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. But in the West, though, I don't think, like, the West teams are all pretty flawed. This Suns team, Bradley Beal hasn't even played yet. Um, and Devin Booker's not playing nearly as much. And I think, other than Denver, I mean, we have questions about the Lakers. Still, I know you might have less questions, Jordan, but I I don't think like you can say that they're prohibitively above the Clippers right now. Um, the Mavericks look better than I was anticipating, but I don't. I that's still a flawed basketball team. The Grizzlies suck. Um, like I think that I'm. I feel like I'm missing some teams, but I. Oh, the Warriors are Kings solid. Warriors. Kings Warriors. Yeah. Um, I do think that there is a world where the Clippers could be, um, you know, number two, like number two going into the playoffs and I wouldn't be like extremely surprised and other another thing I know this is I would be weird. I personally would be very surprised you would be surprised if they came in number two after you mean trade. in the west like in, in the, the regular west, season yeah. yeah yes because they're not gonna they're they they're not gonna stay healthy like we do this every year with the Clippers I did this with them last year I was very hype on the Clippers um they were projected to be the one seed in the west they were projected to win a bunch of games and they always get hurt Kawhi and PG always get hurt um I know Harden at least solved some of that, but they're just unreliable. So I like Denver. I like Golden State. I like Phoenix. I like Sacramento. And I maybe like the Thunder and the Lakers and the Pelicans better than them. So that's that's all teams in the West. And then I definitely like Boston and Milwaukee better. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's only been three games, so it's hard to argue. But at least Paul George and Kawhi have played all three games. But I mean, yeah, you can't argue with the stats there. They don't stay healthy. Um, I just think now with a fourth star, you at least can have fourth one star. Of... Russ is a star. I wouldn't call Russ a star, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's not a star. But with a fourth, a f... Russ is a player that during the regular season, you know, he's going to show up every night and play his ass off, and he's a regular season star. I would venture to say, especially if I'm um, playing well too. Especially if Paul George and Kawhi and James Harden don't show up. I'm all right having Russell Westbrook lead the way because I know he's going to try and go for 30, and I still think he's capable of putting up numbers like that. Um, and you see, he's perfect for um, good, good stats, bad team, right? When it when it's just him on a team going and playing his absolute hardest, um, and that's why I can call him a star because I don't think he is. Yeah, one, he can he do. can carry a team if people yeah. are out. Sure. So uh, what I'm I, and this is going to be a team that has a lot of people out. Um, it all matters about playoff time, but I think with Harden too, this is the perfect. Uh, fit for him. This is where he wanted to go. He clearly, this is a very uh player friendly environment. Um, with how they've handled Kawhi and PG, they kind of let them do their own thing. Um, PG and Kawhi both look really good this year. Russ looks really good. And am I worried how it fits with Russ and James Harden? Yes, I am. But the James Harden that if we're getting the James Harden that his agent is saying we're gonna get, um. He should look like last year, and that's exactly what the Clippers need, which is what Jordan and I have talked about before. So I think, I mean, I don't know what the Clippers, I personally would have made this trade, 
Um, I would rather give up Terrence Mann than all the draft capital that they gave up. I, I thought, agree. Um, and yeah. I didn't want to give up Terrence Mann at all, but they all OKC owns all their draft capital. Like literally, they own seventy five percent of it, and then the rest is owned by the Sixers, basically. So I don't know. They what can, I don't they can... get. Go ahead. What I don't get is how the Clippers like were bidding against themselves, and this is what they came up with. Like there was no yeah. one else that was gonna make a trade for James Harden. Um, and the Clippers decide to hang on to a 27-year-old Terrence Mann who's a good player, but is he really worth, you know, you're you're going to trade your future instead of giving up Terrence Mann? I don't know. I Like, is he even going to be that big of a piece for them this year? Especially a five, you know, you're giving up five picks to a Sixers team. Well, you're giving up five picks, and let's say you keep those picks. Kawhi retires, you trade Paul George. This is a really bad Clippers team. Those picks are really good. And that's just yeah, five those picks. picks are really good. And that's just five picks of if and you look at the success rate, I feel like the draft pick success rate is going higher and higher with the amount of talent that's going into the league. Um there are like Peyton Watts and Julian Stroth, like just a million picks, Derek Lively in the back half of the draft, like a million picks that are hitting right away. Um, you can go through and look at the last four drafts. The first round looks very solid. There's a bunch of real good studs that you could all argue might be better than Terrence Mann um, in those drafts. And now just think if you feasibly drafted correctly, you traded away essentially five Terrence Manns for uh, rather than giving up one Terrence Mann. So, I mean, not all those are first round picks. So you probably trade like can two I, or three Can I clarify Mans. on the picks? Is it It's yeah. two first rounds. It's one swap and then two second rounds, right? It's uh one first round, one first round swap, but they get the worse of the the Sixers get the better of the pick, and yeah. then a, um two seconds. But the seconds we've seen have also started to hit a little bit more, and you've also seen a lot of second. Remember um last uh trade deadline in like May, I think um they had the record amount of second round picks being moved around. Those all have come um and been traded around with the dame trade uh drew holiday and now this there's been a lot of um second round pick movements so i think that uh-huh. they can use those picks to get other stuff what i think is going to happen is going to be at the trade deadline it's going to be because the, the clippers are deep um roster wise i think they're going to trade a bunch of their middle tier guys um and kind of fill out with consolidation and bringing in some draft picks of some sort but i don't know um any other thoughts on this clippers trade before we go nothing i think i'm good all right yeah me too um so yeah we'll be at back later in the week me and letty are going to talk about some young players most likely some pacers guys maybe denver has some guys that i want to talk to you about as well okay um and then me and butsy will also be on talking some celtics and yes yeah, wick and jordan they're going to be on talking some nfl and stuff like that but yeah thank you all big for nfl big nfl trades today too we'll talk about yeah, that we'll talk about that um uh yeah on the later episode but yeah so chase young <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to take... I keep quick... up. There you go. We're... <laughs> not just a one-trick yeah, pony. Right there with the Jets flag behind you. Not a big deal. Um, But yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, and then Jordan's going to come back and talk some NFL with Swick. Welcome back to the couch, everybody, and welcome to our Week 8 NFL Reaction segment. I'm here with Zwick. Butsy is still traveling, uh, recovering from his losses on the Patriots in Miami, so we'll have him for next episode. But I have a very excited Bengals fan, Zwick, here. Zwick, how was your Sunday? Oh, Sunday was fucking electric. Joe Burrow looked awesome. So much better than I thought he would. The O-line looked amazing. 
receivers were getting open. Jamar played outstanding. A few miscues with the fumble towards the end of the first half, but I'm not worried about that. Um, Joe looked great. He looked mobile. Yeah. Um, you saw the game. You saw him, you know, basically act like Houdini back there in the pocket, just making guys miss and finding guys open down the field all afternoon. So it was really great to see. And I told you guys, I told you this was going to happen. And so I don't want to hear any of the slander now because the Bengals are back. They're a top five team in the league, top three maybe going forward. And I'm thinking Super Bowl. I'm thinking Soupy now. Um, I'm very excited. Um, I don't blame you. I would be excited too. He wasn't only like making guys miss. He was fighting guys off. Like he was throwing he Nick Bosa off of him. It was he was running downfield. He was beating guys downfield, and he wasn't sliding. So <laughs> it was literally night and day from three weeks ago. So he looked awesome. So I'm I'm very happy to see that. Well, yeah, I think we all knew like it was just simply a injury with him. It was never like a oh Joe Burrow's lost it type of thing. It was just a calf injury. Um. I, like everyone on on this pod was kind of in agreement that they just need him to get healthy. I didn't know he would get healthy that quick, but man, is he back? So I'm with you. I think the Bengals are are right where uh, we thought they were. You know, preseason, pre calf injury. So offense was amazing. It's also doing that against the Niners, just special. I don't know what's going on with the Niners defense, but uh, yeah, um, Nick Bosa has looked really disappointing this year. Yeah. Um, his sack numbers are down and he's obviously still a tremendous player and he's worth all the money that he earned this offseason, but he's having a down year to start. And honestly, the, the defense as a whole is having a down year. I thought they, I mean, it's hard to guard the Bengals receivers because I think they're the best in the league, but they just looked lost out there. Like they, the run game got going. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the play action off of it. So I'm, I'm think I'm hitting the panic meter on the Niners. I, th- I think I said it a little last week, but they looked bad. Like Brock Purdy looked bad. It's he crazy had- how few like trustworthy teams there are now. Because I thought the Niners were one. I thought the I thought- Chiefs were one. I mean, when the Niners were five and zero, we were talking about them. Like, who's stopping them? Like, who's no one's beating them? Yeah. And now they've lost three straight: to Cleveland, Minnesota, and now Cincinnati. And we, those are all teams that I thought they would steamroll. So I don't see a clear cut Super Bowl favorite right now. I mean, no. you like I don't I don't think anyone does. I mean, I guess if I I have the Eagles number one in my power rankings, but like they they lost they only won by seven in Washington yesterday, and they didn't look all that great. Jalen Hurts looked phenomenal, but the defense is still a huge question mark. The secondary was bad yesterday. I mean, Jahan Dotson had a big day. Terry McLaurin had a big day. Logan Thomas had a big day. Yeah, so, that the, the secondary can be had with the Eagles. Like, their front seven is unbelievable. Their D-line, they have, like, seven guys who can play on their D-line. They only need four at a time. <laughs> so, they're uh, ridiculous up front. But, yeah, they the past defense has been an issue for the past two years. So, I just – I don't think there's – like, this league – one takeaway through eight weeks is that this, this league is just completely unpredictable. If you think you can can predict what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis, you just have no chance. Like, it's it's never going to happen. I think season-long predictions are maybe a little bit more doable. Like, obviously, we, we can kind of predict who the good teams are going to be and who the playoff teams are going to be, uh, at least to some degree. But 
I mean, I thought the Chiefs were going to win by a million in in Denver yeah. this week. <laughs> they end up having one of the worst games since Mahomes has been there and they lost. But let's get into your power rankings. See uh, where you have the Bengals. So at 10, I have the Jaguars. Really good win over the Steelers. Steelers might be dead. We'll talk about that after. Nine, I have the Bills. I feel like we talk about the Bills every day. I mean, they're just like really okay football team right now. Eight, I have the Lions. They're still playing tonight, so we'll see how that goes. I, th- I think they'll win, though, but you never fucking know with this league. Seven, I have the 49ers. Obviously dropped a lot. Had them at one, you know, pretty much the first five five weeks of the year and lost three straight. Six, I have the Cowboys. Looked really good against the Rams. That, you know, I had Rams plus six and didn't even come close. Five, I have the Ravens. Ravens looked really good against the Lions and weeks prior, but not so good against the Cardinals. Like, I thought they would be a lot better versus the Cardinals. But, you know, win is a win. Four, I still have the Chiefs. I still think they'll be, you know, in Super Bowl contention, and I'm not too, too worried about them. Three, I have the Bengals. I think that no one is stopping this offense when it gets healthy. Well, well, as it is healthy now, no one's really stopping this offense. Defense looked so much better since week one. Two, I have the Dolphins. They looked awesome. Jalen Ramsey looked awesome. Tyreek Hill's the most unstoppable player in the league. Number one, I have the Eagles. Jalen Hurts looked like an MVP candidate yesterday. Wow, those are some spicy rankings. Uh, first thing I'll bring up, I don't think the Dolphins should be two. I, I know the Chiefs just had a horrific game, but it it was a little fluky to me. Like, the Chiefs are a, a very good team. I think they're better um, than the Dolphins. I also think... I mean, are are you are you full panic button on the Niners? Like, I I get that Purdy's looked horrible. They lost three straight. I don't think I'm full panic button yet. I still love the roster and I love the coach. I love you know everything except Purdy. I like. It's just like they their schedule is hard. They have mm-hmm. Jacksonville next week, and then they have Tampa, which is a winnable, very winnable game. Then they have Seattle, always tough, and then they have Philadelphia. And then they have, who do they have after that? Seattle again. So these yeah. aren't these aren't layups. The, like these are games they could lose again. And if you thinking that these are layups, like uh, Seattle or what did I say? Tampa. We thought they'd steamroll Cleveland, and we thought they would steamroll Minnesota. So we saw what happened there. And obviously, anyone can win any given Sunday. I am panicking on Brock Purdy though. I really, know. you're full panic mode. He's he has six turnovers in the last three games, and I know it's just a three game stretch, so it's a small sample size. But his confidence is, you know, probably in the gutter right now. And I will give it to him. No Trent Williams and no Debo's does not help. But this, you know, the 49ers last year got away with a lot of stuff because their defense was the best in the league and it like was not close. And now I like, I can't even say that it's the best like in the NFC. Like I don't, I don't even think it's top two in the NFC. So now I'm thinking if this defense isn't holding teams to, you know, like 14, maybe 20 and the offense has to really, really be special. And it, and it hasn't been. So I, I'm worried about them as a whole. I think that Brock Purdy can, you know, get away with being shadowed by his weapons and his coaching 
and he has for a while, but it's getting exposed now. Yeah, I thought the defense was pretty special through, what, five weeks? I mean, even six weeks, they only gave up uh, 19 to the Browns. That was an offensive uh, miscue there, obviously, by Purdy. Like, I don't know. I just – I think the defense is still good. They're obviously not playing up to snuff, but I think they could at least turn it around a little bit. And for Purdy, I know, like, we give Butsy all this shit for Purdy, um, and he's definitely not as good as Butsy thinks, but I do think he can – recover from this i don't think this is who he is this is a horrible stretch um and it happens like players go through bad stretches it's definitely exposing him a little bit because he had perfect numbers before and people were you know having him in their top 10s top 12s and he's certainly not there but i do think he can you know get back to close to where he was and just stop turning the ball over uh what do you like so much from the dolphins because that game against philly that loss to philly really scared me about how far they can really go well i like i like number 10 on the dolphins yeah. <laughs> he's really really good at football and i think that i mean he's obviously their best player and he'll be the best player on almost every field he plays on but i just think like when mike mcdaniel has this offense humming it's really really hard to stop them and when jalen ramsey comes back and is playing like he did yesterday it's going to be really hard to score on them with the perimeter wide receivers. So I I don't know. I mean, they're I playing. guess the Ramsey getting Ramsey is huge. It is huge. You know, I know there's there's Jalen Ramsey washed allegations last year and he looked really good yesterday. Obviously had the pick off Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones threw it right to him, but yeah. Like I just like they had guys running wide open versus the Patriots yesterday, like wide open. Tyreek Hill was wide open. Jalen Waddle had no one within maybe 15 yards of him on his touchdown. So one, I think Mike McDaniel's genius. I know he's a genius and think this offense, you know, when Tua is getting the ball out quick to his playmakers in space, I think it's really, really hard to stop them. And, Obviously, they have the fastest offense in the league. Like the top 10 ball carriers, I think like nine of them are all Dolphins. So my thing with the Dolphins, so they they're six and two so far. They've beaten the Chargers in week one, the Patriots twice, the Broncos once, the Giants and the Panthers. So they still don't have a super impressive win. They got beat up by the Bills and then pretty much handled by the Eagles. They lost by 14, but that was not really close in the second half. So I don't know. I just think. They they're a little bit too like cute and not um physical enough to me. I don't think they're as tough or um I don't know, just as talented up front as some of the other teams. So I think when they get in the playoffs, like it could get it could get really um late quick for it them. Could. It could. It definitely could. I think they could definitely get out physical by teams in the AFC like Buffalo or Cincinnati. Um their schedule is easy as fuck, though. They have Kansas City this week. Right. But after that, they have um, who do they have the next? I week? have so, it. It's Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets, and yeah. then Cowboys. I mean, those are that's easy for a stretch of games. I think yeah. that they can easily win. So their schedule is easy as fuck. I think they'll win at least twelve games. I want to say maybe maybe more. So. I'm not – you're right. I don't – maybe I don't think the Dolphins are built for the long run, but right now yeah. they look unstoppable. 
Yeah, I'm with you. That's that's definitely fair. They're going to have a pretty gaudy record at the end of that stretch. I think you're right about that. Uh, yeah. I had the Browns as my upset alert. I don't know if you saw the ending of that game, but that was um one uh, of the more that... painful games of my Sunday. Yes. Yeah, that was – I forget who was my upset alert. I can't remember now. I think I said the – shit. I can't remember. All right. Well, <laughs> no, it's fine. We'll talk about it in the betting segment. But I mean, the Browns were the Browns made a great comeback. They got it to 2017 uh, with three minutes to go. And then they had the ball. And I think it was was a third and three. And P.J. Walker throws yeah. a pick. And right. P.J. Walker's just really not good. Um, I know we we've been saying he's actually a decent backup. I'm starting to take it back. I, he's super inefficient terrible completion percentage and he's been turning it over the last few weeks too so that quarterback situation is just a mess but my god they had that game one uh and and Stefanski put the ball in PJ Walker's hands and he ended up turning it over and the Seahawks went down and scored so that one hurt um the Browns are are we all out on them are they a playoff team or no they're so like I don't get them because honestly the defense did not look that great against Seattle and it did no. not look that great against Indianapolis. So if this defense isn't holding teams to like 20, 20 or below, I like, I don't think they're going to win games because right. the offense just can't move the football. I mean, they have almost no downfield passing attack and their run game is subpar i mean that's not totally their fault obviously if nick chubb was here we'd have a different conversation but he's not and stefanski's play calling is you know i think it's very questionable i don't think you should have pj walker dropping back on third and three when you have one of the best offensive lines in the league agree so i i'm worried about the browns uh they're sitting at four and four i believe and i'm not three i think four and three i'm not too confident in them going forward yeah this uh this afc north all of a sudden looking a little better for the Bengals. i'm telling you they're gonna fucking win this thing I'm... <laughs> you think so you you want to place a, a little wager on it i think they're plus like 300 ish ravens are six and two right now they're playing baltimore in baltimore on thursday night in three weeks week 11 that'll probably be deciding the division well not deciding the division but very pivotal game for the decision because we have Cincinnati has Houston and Buffalo in the next two games I am not scared of Buffalo like whatsoever like I have all the confidence in the world playing Buffalo on Sunday night yeah you you guys own Buffalo yeah we do we do, we own Buffalo and like with this, like it's a totally different. Because I mean, if it was three weeks ago and we played Buffalo, I think we'd get smacked. But it's a totally different game now. Joe Burrow looks fucking awesome, and I like Buffalo's defense can't stop anyone. Like they didn't no. stop Jones. So <laughs> yeah, that buy was huge. That came at a great time um, for the Bengals. Bengals are plus three hundred to win the division. What's their record? They're four and three. So it's Ravens minus 115, Bengals plus 300, Browns plus 500, Steelers plus 700. Browns and Steelers, um, definitely not nearly as good as they were maybe uh, like two or three weeks through the season. 
Ravens yeah. are still very good, but man, if the Bengals can do that to the Niners, I I don't see why this wouldn't be at least a, a good value bet at the very least. So Same. Bengals, I don't know, they're coming. Um, they're any coming. worries about the Chiefs? No. What Here's was why. that yesterday? That was weird. It was very weird. I Mahomes looked bad. I mean, it was literally like the worst game of his career statistically. But I'm like I've said, I'm not worried, you know, because come playoff time, I know they have Mahomes and they have Travis Kelsey and they have Andy Reid. They're gonna be they're gonna be in the mix. Yeah. Yesterday they looked bad though. I will give them that. Maybe I like I I don't even know like what to say because they just looked bad. It was like weird. Like they've never looked this bad. Like Mahomes has never looked no. as as he did yesterday. He was throwing balls out of bounds. The throwing, yeah, I think he threw two picks at least. Two picks, and, not good ones either. Yeah, so looked bad. Defense did not look as good as it has been. But I just like they're still six and two, and they still have their core i'm not too worried about them at all just a fluky game maybe yeah i don't know i the the weapons are a bit of a question mark um they're certainly sure. not as explosive as they were last year but i mean last week what did they throw up they dominated the chargers right yeah mahomes had like 450 yards for <laughs> yeah. chargers so i'm not worried yeah, i don't know they're uh they're not as maybe automatic offensively as they were last year, but they certainly still have it in them. So it's, it's weird, dude. I don't think there's a, a favorite right now that I can put my finger on. Cause the Eagles, the Eagles are really good, but I can also, they lost the jets. I don't know. I don't know. What to, I don't know what to do in this league. If I had, like, if I had to pick, like if the playoffs started today, like, I have no idea who I would pick. I personally, if the playoffs started today, I would pick the Chiefs because I vowed that if Mahomes is in his prime, I will never pick against Mahomes um, while he is this good. So I just I, think he's on another level than everyone else. But, like, I I have no idea. They could lose in the wild card. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. The, I It's shaping up to be a fucking awesome second half of the season yeah. and playoffs because – there's no clear favorite. There is a bunch of teams still in the hunt. Like who like who's really eliminated right now besides like Carolina? Yeah. No one. The, I don't know. Like, I mean the Pats I mean, probably. The Packers <laughs> and the Patriots, but like that's it. Like everyone is still in The like, Jets are 4 and 3. They're the 4 Jets, and 3. <laughs> I'm telling you, yet, like the everyone almost everyone is still in the mix and it's only and it's week 8 already, you know. Bad to be week 9. There's yeah. no clear favorite, so it's so, going to be second half of the season. Speaking of the Jets, this was Jets-Giants. This was one of the games that I had on one of my TVs all day, unfortunately, because it was the, the local game and I got it on cable. Um, It was the second most punts in a game ever, 24 punts, I think. It was 10 to 7 until the end of regulation. Um, A lot of Giants fans – Outraged at Brian Dayball for a few reasons. Yeah. Weird. So, <laughs> right. Why? Do, so you don't agree with this? I, is it like, like they're mad that they kicked a field goal? Like, so they're mad that, so Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And then this guy, Tommy DeVito came oh, in to back oh, him up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tommy, that, <laughs> Tommy that DeVito good. threw seven passes for minus one, negative one yards. They were all screen passes. Dayball didn't let him throw down the field at all. But my take is they had like a 
forty something yard field goal to go up thirteen to seven. It with what yeah. a couple minutes and left. See, I just don't like. I I get that. Surely, I think it was like a thirty-eight yard field goal. Yeah, surely you make a thirty-eight yard field goal. Obviously, that didn't happen. You know, it was really windy. So I don't know. I. I think as a yeah, it was windy, it was rainy, it was like I think no one could throw the ball in those conditions. So I don't know. Yeah. You get one yard and the game is over, as opposed to one missing the or risking a miss, which ended up happening, two risking a block return. You know, anything could have happened. So I don't get that. I know I watched the overtime where Tommy DeVito got one drive and he <laughs> swung it out to Saquon three times in a row and the Jets just tackled him for like two-yard loss at both times. So, yeah, th- I don't get that because it's it, it's like, are you really trying to win here? It's like you, you have almost nothing to lose. If you punt the ball back to the Jets, you're probably not going to get it back. You might as well try to throw it downfield. Right. Saquon had 36 carries, by the way. They, they ran the ball 52 times and threw it 14. It's absolutely absurd. But I don't know. Belichick did this with Mac Jones in the blizzard, and the Patriots ended up beating the Bills. So I think, yeah, honestly, me. I'm not mad at Dayball. If you're quarterback, if you don't have any trust in your quarterback, then, you know, he sees him every day in practice. He's probably not very good if he didn't want to let him throw, and it's crazy conditions. So I didn't really have any problem with it. I In my mind, it's like you – make that field goal, you go up um, six, and then Zach Wilson has to drive the length of the field to come beat you. So yeah, like seconds and no timeouts. Yeah, so to me, I'm like, I'm not I'm not um, putting that on day ball. Yeah, I mean, I I can't be mad about trying a 38-yard field goal or whatever it was because 38-yard field goal is usually automatic. Yeah, and well, I mean, they're, the fans, I live with a Giants fan, and he's all over Giants Twitter and Reddit threads and all this stuff, um, and everyone's everyone's saying, like, they should have thrown it more. They should have let DeVito throw it more. And I don't know. If they make that field goal, I don't think anyone's saying anything. So Yeah, no one's, no one's saying shit because they won. Yeah. Um, all right, any other games or storylines you want to talk about? Let's talk about what well, well, which one was it? Let's talk about let's talk about the Steelers. All right, let's do it. I think the Steelers are dead. I'm not going four and three. They're four and three. Mika Fitzpatrick is already ruled out for Thursday night. They have Tennessee. They're going to Tennessee, or sorry, Tennessee is coming to them on Thursday night. I will let. Oh, let's talk about Will Levis too. Will Levis looked fucking awesome. Yep. Four touchdowns, one really, really nice ball to Westbrook Akine. Crazy and arm talent. Crazy arm talent. We talked about it, you know, a few months ago or back in whatever it was, April, when the draft happened. I think he he they found something in him. And they have, you know, obviously we got Titan Steelers on Thursday. I think this is a must win for the Steelers. I don't think you can drop two in a row now especially with Kenny Pickett probably looking like he's not going to be playing. So it's going to be Mason Rudolph or Trubisky. And that offense is already extremely mediocre, especially with the backup quarterback. It's not going to look much better. So, yeah, Trubisky's terrible. Um, Pickett, even if he plays, not impressive to me at all. Bottom five, maybe bottom 10 at least. So I'm with you. I think the Steelers have been terrible on offense all year. They've just somehow like squeaked out these ugly wins because of their defense. If their defense doesn't hold people to 
you know, it's kind of like the Browns. Like, their defense needs to hold teams to under 20 for them to win most of the time. So, um, yeah, they're in trouble. Let's talk about Levis, though. Levis had what? What would you say? Four touchdowns? Four touchdowns yesterday. 19 for 29, 238 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. You looked awesome. 34 fantasy points. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, and they beat the Falcons 28-23. They were my only bet that I gave out that hit, by the way. Thank you to Will Levis. Yeah. Is Tannehill done? Yeah. Like, no question. I If the Titans roll out Ryan Tannehill on prime <laughs> time on Thursday, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a terrible look. And there's going to be backlash. You, I mean – like that would it would just be like a disservice. I mean, Levis looked awesome. He looked way better than Tannehill's looked all season. I mean, he threw more touchdowns in a game than Tannehill did in seven games. Yeah. So I like I don't know how you could even roll him out. I don't I don't even I don't even think he's healthy to play. If he was, I would assume he wouldn't be the starter no matter what. But yeah, it looks bad. It looks it looks really I mean, bad. He'll, Bad for Tannehill, but good for NFL fans, I think. Really good for NFL fans. Good for Titans fans because Levis could be the guy, and he's fun to watch. So it makes, you know, Titans-Steelers the biggest mid-off we're going to have in primetime somewhat exciting. Yeah, just watching him, um, I don't want to get – we've only seen one game, but he's a little Josh Allen-y, I think, at least in terms of – Very Josh Allen-y. He's huge. He's massive. He's big, he's strong, and he can throw the ball the entire length of the field. It's ridiculous. Uh, He and D-Hop connected for three touchdowns, I think. So, uh, and a bunch of deep balls. Um, Didn't really make any bad decisions. Now, he had good time all day. Falcons defense did not play well at all. So, we're going to see, you know, how the decision-making goes. But from a talent perspective, like, he has it. I think he has it. He's a good athlete. He's huge. um, And he can throw the ball anywhere. So, I'm, I'm excited to watch him progress. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's going to be a test going into Pittsburgh prime time. It's not an easy place to play whatsoever, especially with TJ Watt breathing down your neck. So it's it should be it should be fun to watch. I don't understand how the Titans watch Tannehill throw the ball every day, and then they watch Levis throw the ball every day and say, "Yeah, let's go with Ryan. Let's see what I think. I think he gives us the best shot to win." Like I don't, I I just don't get that. I guess it's easy to say that now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the hindsight is twenty twenty, but. Maybe they just think Ryan Tannehill is safer. I mean, that's very lame. I, but I guess it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, okay, it's because the trade deadline is at four p.m. tomorrow. So we'll see if Ryan Tannehill is even a Titan tomorrow. Or yeah, same with Derrick Henry. So we'll right. see what happens. With that last thing, and then I gotta go get my dinner out of the oven. Kirk Cousins unfortunately goes down oh, with the so Achilles sad. injury. Um, he's going to miss the remainder of the season. I would assume, I don't think they've announced it yet, yeah, but it, this, this is probably his last game as a Viking and he was playing great football up until this point. Yeah. Very sad. Just, you know, completely took the air out of anything good happening in this Viking season. And as an NFL fan, I mean, who doesn't fucking love Kirk cousins? I mean, right. just great Dude, I mean, if you watched the the Netflix series, you saw him. Just really fun guy to watch and class act. Yeah, and just sucks. That's just, just sucks. 
So Jaron Hall came in for him. They ended up beating the Packers 24 to 10. Packers looking really, really bad. But really bad. Jaron Hall came in. He threw four passes. Uh, he uh, he was three for four for 23 yards, but they just didn't really let him go uh, very much to try to kind of hold on to the lead. Do you think the Vikings go out and try and get someone? They're four and four right now. Do they maybe sign like Colt McCoy or Wentz or one of these guys and, and go try and make a run? Jameis? Yeah, I mean, they could do something, right? I mean, I don't I, know. Maybe they can still I, trade Kirk. Uh, it, I mean, they could get a guy like Jameis or maybe even Ryan Tannehill and probably give up like a sixth or seventh round pick for him. And But it's just like, I don't. I don't know how much that does for you. Like your season is, I, I get your four and four, but Justin Jefferson is not back yet. The defense looks a lot better. I'll give them that. Brian Flores looks like he's doing a great job in Minnesota, but it's just like you have no direction almost now. Like you don't even like you're, you're really in a weird spot. Cause it's like, say the Vikings lost yesterday and they lost like the game before and they were sitting at like two or three wins. I think we'd have a different discussion, but now that they're at four and four, they're kind of in the mix, but I just like this. What is the ceiling here? Like maybe you lose a wild card game. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So the next five for them, they go Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, by Raiders. Really easy stretch. I think they I think they should make the move tomorrow. I mean, you're not going to bring Kirk ne- back next year anyways. Maybe you see what you can get for him. Maybe you package him with a pick and try and go get some serviceable backup. I don't think they believe in Jaron Hall. I've never heard of Jaron Hall. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, those games are winnable, but I don't think they're winnable with Jaron Hall. Right. And I, mean, I just think wrong. I know I know they could lose, you know, in the wild card, but you have Justin Jefferson who's one of the best young players in the league. Um, Jordan Addison's in the middle of breaking out as a receiver. Yeah. You still have a pretty solid offense. I mean, Hawkinson's fantastic. So I think you can at least keep everyone competitive, keep everyone in good spirits and, and just keep building the culture of winning football rather than just throwing in the towel and calling it a season halfway through. But that's my take on it. I hope they go get someone um, and actually try and be competitive and make a run. Yeah. I mean, I I like that. I like that idea, but I also don't. It would be fun. That's that's just the more fun idea. That's the more fun as a viewer. That's that sounds sounds cooler. But I also think that you know this is one of the best quarterback classes we've had in a long time. True, and I and I know they know that. And I know if they get one of the really good quarterbacks to pan out with Justin Jefferson, with Jordan Addison, with T.J. Hawkinson, it could get scary. That could be very very scary. And I think they got to start thinking about the future. And if they, you know, win eight games, you're, you're going to miss out on that. Like you true. will miss out on that, especially with New England and Carolina and Chicago. <laughs> so yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's wishful thinking for me as a Pats fan. Hopefully they win like six, seven games. <laughs> we get the pick ahead of them. <laughs> um, all right. That's going to do it for us for the NFL today. Uh, Max and I are going to be having a NBA segment in a second. Zwick, we need the lines tonight to close out the teaser. Are you feeling good? I'm feeling fucking awesome. Jimmy G in primetime, Jared Goff in the dome. Like, it's shaping up to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles barely squeaked it out for my leg of the <laughs> teaser. I was nervous the whole time. I think they were down, like, 14 to 3. I was like, am I going to mess up the teaser for three straight weeks? I really hope this hits. We need a teaser to hit for the people. So let's do it. Go Lions.
Go Lions. All right. Thanks, Wick.